Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, Therefore any one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Since you, the judge, do the same things. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? I want to talk today for a few minutes about overlooking our own faults that we have. Romans 2, if we would continue to read the chapter, we would see that it was a chapter about teaching people not to steal, yet we steal. Teaching people not to commit adultery, yet we commit adultery. Teaching people not to, uh, or teaching people to, rather, abhor or detest an idol, yet the King James Version says we commit sacrilege or idolatry in our own way. And Paul here writes to the Romans and he thinks to tell them, do you really believe, do you really think that you'll escape the judgment of Yahweh if you teach people not to do things, but yet you yourself are guilty of the same things? We have a problem in our humanity with always wanting or being able to look and to see the faults of other people. You can put it a little bit like this. Now, this may not be with you, but it is with me. And I asked my wife, and she said it's with her as well. So maybe this will hit you, or maybe it won't. But whenever I go to somebody's house, if I get invited over to dinner, or if uh, somebody, if I just happen to be there and I'm walking in the house and I sit down for a while, I, I have, I, there's something in me when I get to looking around that it's easy for me to spot faults in another person's home. In other words, what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that there might be a corner that has a little too much dirt into it to my liking, or a piece of trim may not line up with the other piece of trim, um, or maybe when I go to the bathroom there's a ring or something in the tub. Maybe the tub's not as clean as I would like it to be if I was going to take a bath in it. But it's easy for me to spot the faults in somebody else's home. Anybody else like that? You know, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but I do that. I do that. But yet, yet for my for my own home, I know if I sit or I walk around my own house that I live in over there at the cabin, and I look, I'll see faults. Here, here recently, before we had the baby, Tisha was asking me to fill in the cracks where we had caulking in between the logs. And, you know, you, you could see some daylight come through there, man, when the sun came out. <laughs> and so she said, listen, we're going to have company coming over to see this baby. You've got to fill those cracks in. And so, of course, I said, yes, ma'am, and, uh, and got the caulking and filled the cracks in before we had the baby. Had a good time doing it, sang a little bit while I was doing it, um, talked to somebody while I was doing it, and just, just got in the mood to do it. You know, it's something you definitely got to get in the mood to do, believe you me. Uh, but I've got a lot of problems with my own home, you know, all the all the boards don't come together exactly the uh, the way that they should, um, and things may not be as clean as I'd like it to be all the time. But because I'm so used to my own home, I don't pick the faults out. 
You know, I just overlook them because I'm always there. But it's so easy for me to ignore the faults of my own home and go to somebody else's and notice the trim or the tub ring or the dirty corner. Amen? It's easy to do that. Um, the more used to or accustomed we get to something, the easier it is to, to overlook that something when we get used to or accustomed to it. Statistics show that a high percentage of car wrecks occur within five miles of a person's house. That's what statistics show, that a very high percentage of, a, of car wrecks occur within the first five miles of your home. And it's because you are accustomed to driving that route. If you drive a route every single day, you get to a point to where you feel like you could drive it blindfolded. You know? And I'll never forget, when my wife and I first got married, we lived up here in this trailer. Had a lot of faults in the trailer. <laughs> Paid $800 for it. Fixed it up. Didn't know anything on it, though. Wasn't in debt. Wasn't a servant to the lender, you know. I can't say that now. But um, I remember we, we, we she had a Jeep. We got rid of the Jeep. The first car we bought was a Buick Regal. Brian probably remembers the Buick Regal because me and him was working together. And uh, Sister Hazel had co-signed with uh, Tisha for it. And um, we had the Buick Regal. It was used. It wasn't new. And we drove it, and I would drive down the driveway. And one time I pulled out right right down here. It was actually out of the church gates here, church driveway. And um, pulled out here, and man just felt a thump and uh, hit a car, a car that was driving by right in front of me. And it left a big tire skid on the front left bumper. Didn't hurt the car. The car, I just hit the tire. But right out of my own driveway, Brother Dean, how about that? Got in a car wreck, and thanks be to Yahweh, they didn't, wasn't upset or anything like that. But that usually happens. You know, I was, I was so accustomed to, to pulling out of that driveway, I probably didn't look as much as I should have. You know, maybe not even both ways, or maybe didn't take double looks both ways. And so the more used to or accustomed we become to something, the, the, the easier it is to overlook things. My son plays first base, Benjamin, Division Two, co-ed softball. Before I signed up to play for the adult league, he would be out there on first base. A ball would get by him. Son, you've got to get in front of that ball. You've got to get in front of that ball. I'd go down and tell him. I'd try to coach him, you know. My dad always did me like that when I was growing up and said, listen, you've got to do it this way and this way. And so I'd go down and I'd tell him, make sure you squeeze that glove. You've got to squeeze that glove. That softball's not going to stay in there if you don't, don't squeeze it. Well, lo and behold, I get to playing on the adult team. And, and man, you know, I found out that I don't catch all of the balls either. <laughs> and I drop some of them, and some of them get beside me. But it was so easy for me to put a little too much pressure, I feel, on my son, until I recognized that, you know, I'm not the all-star softball player either. <laughs> I don't always get on base. Sometimes I get a pop fly and I get called out, Brother Jerry. And so now, it's been for a while, I definitely take it easy on my son. And, and if he misses one, I say, no problem, don't worry about it. You get the next one. Because I know that me being his dad, I have a problem with the game as well. In, in certain areas, and so, but it's easy for me to spot. It was easy for me to spot what I considered his to be his errors in that game, you know. And I want to kind of overlook mine. It doesn't feel good, you know. I mean, I, you know, maybe you're not. And I'm not a very competitive person, but it still doesn't feel good when you're up to bat, everybody's counting on you, and you pop one up in the infield and they catch you out. It don't feel good, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't like walking back to the dugout, but it's just a game, and we got to remember that. 
Um, but it's easy to overlook my own errors and to point out the errors of my son or of my wife or of my friends or of my family or of my brothers or of my sisters or of anybody else. And it's so difficult for me to point out my own errors. I don't, I don't have a checklist all the time for the life of Matthew Jansen. But it seems like I want to check everybody else's life. And I leave mine unchecked. And that's what Paul is trying to get across here. He says, listen, you're not going to escape Yahweh's judgment. You're pointing out other people's sins. And you don't even realize you're guilty of the same things. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We can always point out sin in another person's life. And it's funny, even the small specks of sin we're able to point out in their life. And yet we could have huge sins in our life, but because we've come so accustomed to them and we've become so used to them, we don't, we don't think that they're, they're wrong anymore. Because we dabble in them for so long and we justify something that maybe the first time that we, we, we break that commandment or something, it's, it's difficult. But then the next time it's a little bit easier and then the third time it becomes even more easier. And then before you know it, you're breaking the commandment and you're not even realizing you're doing it anymore. Until somebody comes up to you or until something convicts you or, or, or pricks your spirit and says, you know, hold on a second. Where, where did I, where did, how did I get to this point? I'm justifying something that's clearly wrong in the Word of Yahweh. It happens to people. It happens to people. But we can point out, we're always easy, it's so easy to point out sins of other people. It's so easy to point fingers at other people and forget that we have problems in our, uh, in our own life. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 4. It says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, <clears throat> let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your eye. I'll stop right there for right now. What Yeshua is saying here, it's very easy to understand. The log represents a major problem that the person that is making the judgment has in his own life, or his or her own life. And the speck represents a problem, yes, but a problem that the person with the log doesn't need to be concerned about as long as they have the log in their own eye. You know, you, and we're like this. We don't want somebody pointing out something to us that we, we may be working on or striving to do when we know that they have serious problems in their own life and we don't like that. But yet, even us that do, do not like that, we can, without realizing it, do the same thing. We can do the exact same thing. I've been guilty of it before and I've had to catch myself that I'm trying to help someone out with a situation and I don't realize that I need help myself. Maybe it's not even the exact same situation, but maybe I'm dealing with something in my life that I need to deal with first. There was a story about a preacher that believed in handling snakes. And he liked the more poison they had, the better. And uh, him and his wife got in a big spat. 
And uh, he steamed out the house and slammed the door in her face. And about that time, brother so-and-so pulled up in the car and he said, Preacher, he said, I've got a mean one ready for you. A rattler. And he said, hold on one second. And the story goes that he went back in and he made peace with his wife. And then he came back out and said, let me have him. (laughs) But I believe that the Scriptures, I don't believe they teach snake handling (laughs) like that. Um, I do believe you can by happenstance get bit and it not hurt you like Paul in the book of Acts. But I believe that the Scriptures teach us to get things right spiritually so that we'll be able to face things physically. I do believe that. The Bible talks about that if a husband and a wife have problems in their marriage, that their prayers will be hindered. Both their personal prayers and their prayers that they pray together. They will be hindered. Both their past prayers, their present prayers, and any future prayers until the problem is solved. And we shouldn't let the sun go down on our wrath, should we? That's what the Bible says. Neither give place to the devil. Be ye angry and sin not. What's the sin in Ephesians there? Be ye angry and sin not. You ever wondered what that sin is? Well, the next sentence tells you. The next sentence, it says, comma, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That's the sin he's talking about. Sometimes we get angry, but it's a sin to continue that anger when another day begins. Once again, that shows when a day begins, when the sun goes down at evening. And so we shouldn't let that happen. And I've kind of gone off on the rabbit trail there, but let's get back here on Matthew 7. The point is, is that we must be willing to get things right in our own life before we can try to work on somebody else's life. You know, I, the Bible talks about an, an overseer or a bishop, and I don't like the word bishop. I mean, I don't think that there's nothing wrong with it, but I just couldn't picture somebody calling me Bishop Jansen. I just don't like the sound of that, you know. Brother Matthew's fine. I had a fellow email me the other day from Canada. He said, I don't want to be disrespectful. What title would you like me to refer to you by? I said, oh, man, maybe he must have come out of something. I said, you just call me brother. You know, as they say, don't call me late for dinner, right, brother? (laughs) Just call me brother and I'll be fine, Brother Matthew. (laughs) I don't want to be called pastor. I don't want to be called bishop or apostle or anything like that. I just want to be a brother to to people. That's all I want. I don't want to flatter and title that. I'm not about all that. Um, But the Bible talks about qualifications for an overseer. And it says, the first one there in 1 Timothy 3, it says he must be blameless. And I thought about that a lot, you know, because... I guess I consider myself to see over things in, in this assembly. I didn't ask for the position. I didn't fill out a paper for it, you know. But but when I think about that requirement, and I, I would like to be an overseer, to be used by Yahweh in that, that area. And I read those qualifications a lot, and I fall short of them um, sometimes. But the first one is that he must be blameless. That's a tough one, man. And I think, though, why, why Paul is telling Timothy this is because he knows that the, the, the overseer is, is going to be doing a lot of teaching. And when I get it behind this pulpit, it, I am required by Yahweh to preach against sin. And I'm required to exhort and to uplift, 1 Timothy 4. But I'm also required to reprove and to rebuke. Most churches either have one or the other, not a combination of both. But if I'm, if I'm a true minister, I've got to point out sin. And I've got to preach against sin. And I've got to name sin. And I've got to tell people that they're going to die in their sin if they don't repent. And how can I do that if I'm dealing with that same sin in my life? But it doesn't just go 
for the overseer. Matthew 7 wasn't just written to the overseer. Matthew 7 was the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching the multitudes. He's telling them, why do you want to get the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a beam or a log in your own? He goes on and he tells you, you hypocrite, you pretender. He says, first remove the log out of your own eye. Then you shall see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's. A lot of people don't like to read on there, but we can remove specks out of our brother's eye. But he says, don't be a hypocrite about it. You get it out of your own eye first. You get rid of it. Then you can see clearly. And you know what? We need to be men and women like that. We need to be men and women where we can help other people out because our lives are in step with Yahweh's Word. Removing logs. I mentioned the Scripture earlier. Paul said he had to die. How often? Every single day, Paul had to die to what? Not, not, not dying and resurrect. Die to this carnality. Die to this flesh. Paul was telling us he's having problems. Those things that he wants to do, in Romans 7, he says he's not able to do them. But then those things that he doesn't want to do, sometimes he finds himself doing those things. There was a battle between the Spirit and the flesh. The flesh and the Spirit. And he had to constantly, every single day, he had to die. There's a story about a man that lifted his hands up to the Heavenly Father. And he said, Father, I thank you that I have not sinned at all, not one time, this entire day. And I want to praise you for keeping me and, and holding me and letting me not sin. And then he got up out of bed and his feet hit the floor. It's because he woke up. And he knew he was going to need Yahweh's help that day. He knew that there was going to be temptations to come. He knew that there was going to be trials that were going to test him. He knew that there may be even a thought of foolishness enter into his mind that he had to cast down. That's how we need to be. Remove these logs. I believe in removing the specks too in our own eyes. You know, I believe in, in keeping the greatest of the commandments and the least of the commandments. I, I think the Bible teaches it. And so I want to do it. But we need to be men and women like that. That way we can restore others in meekness, considering our own selves, lest we also be tempted. Who is going to be the one to do the restoring if we don't have any people removing the logs and the specks out of their own eye? How are we going to fulfill that passage in Galatians? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, it says. How are we going to do that? The Bible teaches we've got to remove these logs out of our own eyes. Who are you that judges another? Don't you know that what measure you use, that's going to be measured to you? Boy, I think about that sometimes. You know, I am really, really against gossip, majorly. Big time. I don't like it. I believe it destroys marriages. I believe it destroys friends. I believe it can destroy a church. I, I believe it's a plague. But you know, sometimes I catch myself doing it without even realizing it. I catch myself. And you know what? Sometimes I don't stop. And then I get through and I feel terrible. And I say, Matthew, what did you do? Why did you do that? What does that accomplish? How are you going to help out anybody doing that? Do you know that Yahweh says six things Yahweh hates, yea, seven are an abomination to them, and four out of the seven are sins of the tongue. We used to say growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's a good saying, but it's not scriptural. The Bible says that it's, it's, it's like the fires of hell. We tame a horse with a bit. We tame this big ship with a small rudder. 
But the tongue can no maintain. It's set on the fires of hell. It's the most unruly member of the body. The Bible says Yahweh hates a person that sows discord amongst brothers, amongst friends. If I come over here and start talking to Brother Ben about Brother Jerry, and then I talk to Brother Jerry about Brother Ben, you know, and then they go to work, they get in the truck together, and Brother Ben says, morning. Jerry says, morning. And they may not talk all the way to the first job. (laughs) And you know why? Because of me. Because of me. But I hate gossip. I hate it with a passion. And I know Yahweh hates it. Because He says He hates those that sow discord amongst brothers. A lot of times, you know what? We might have that problem with gossip, but we might want to point our finger about the sins of somebody else. And I'm coming to think, brethren, that gossip's not a speck. It's a log. It's a log. You know? I don't have a problem with keeping the Sabbath. I'm not tempted to break it. I love Yahweh. I'm not tempted to break it. I don't have a problem with the dietary laws. You know, I, 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 I want to obey Him. I don't have a problem with, uh, with uh, homosexuality or anything like that. I'm not even tempted. You know? But sometimes I have a problem with wanting to speak a word against someone. Sometimes I have a problem with that. Doing sins that are in secret and not necessarily out in the open. It's easy to do the ones that are in secret. But you know what? That's when you know you're a true saint of Yahweh. Is when you have to make a decision... And there's nobody there to see you but your Heavenly Father. And you make the right decision. I know it may hurt you to want to tell somebody else, listen, you know what, I love you, but I'm not going there with you. I'm not going to talk about somebody else. That's difficult, I think, at times when, we are, when that situation arises. But that's what we need to do. And you know what, if that upsets the other person, I'd rather upset them than Yahweh. Amen? Right? I'd rather hurt their feelings than Yahweh's feelings. Come on. It's so easy to overlook our own thoughts because we're used to them. It's just like our own house. I really wasn't paying attention to the cracks in the caulking at my house. But my wife was. I really wasn't paying attention to them. I put my boots on in the morning and got my work clothes on and got out of the house. And and Brother Randy jumped in the truck and the cracks didn't bother me because they were in my own house. Had I went in somebody else's house, I probably would have leaned over to teach and said, Look at them cracks over there. What do they? What, what do they think? Why? Why he caught them cracks up? You know, it was somebody else's house. Come on, you know I'm saying. You know it's right. Look at Second Samuel chapter twelve. There's an example of this in the in the Bible. I want to close with this. Second Samuel chapter twelve, beginning at verse one. 2 Samuel 12, verse 1. It says, So Yahweh sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, Nathan, here's the prophet, he's speaking to David. He says, There were two men in a certain city, David. One was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. It lived and grew up with him and his children. It shared his meager food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms and it was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David's listening as Nathan the prophet relays this to him, this story. 
And in verse 5 it says, David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, As surely as Yahweh lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Or the Hebrew reads, David saying, This is a man of death. What kind of fellow would do this? And then he brings out Exodus 22 verse 1. He knows the law, David being the king. He's written a copy of the law. He reads it every day. Verse 6, he says, Because he has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. Now, Nathan's telling this story to David, and David is thinking that Nathan is talking about somebody else when he tells it to him. And so David says, well, he's got to pay the penalty of the law. He owes the man fourfold for the sheep. Exodus 22, verse 1. He gives the answer. And then... What do you think David thought when in verse 7 Nathan replied to David, You are the man. Now, my Bible has an exclamation point beside this verse, and I would like to think that that's how Nathan said it. And we know the Hebrew Scriptures do not have punctuation marks. But I would like to think that when David gave the judgment and Nathan said, You are the man, he looked at him and he pointed his finger and said, You are the man, David. You're the one that's guilty. You're the one that stole the lamb from the poor man. You're the one that's done this sin. Verse, continuing verse 7, This is what Yahweh God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the command of Yahweh by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Ammonite's sword. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what Yahweh says. I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them publicly. And you know how that happened if you read on? His own son. Slept with David's wives. Publicly. Why? Because of what David did here. Verse 12. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. Let's stop right there for a second. Number one, David didn't realize Nathan was talking about him. David was thinking about his own house. He wasn't thinking that it was applying to him. But yet it was, wasn't it? The story that Nathan told was applied directly to David and David didn't even realize it at first. How often does that happen to us? Something, something that maybe I preach about or something that another brother talks about or sister talks about, it comes across maybe in the testimony service, maybe a song that we sing, and it applies directly to you. Not because Brother Matthew went through his songs and said, well, you know what? I feel like David needs to hear these words in this song. So I'm going to play this song for for David tonight because he needs to hear these words. Or, you know what, I think Brother Arnold's having this situation, so I'm going to talk about this as I begin testimony service. No, I I don't do that. That's not how I operate. You know, somebody comes in, you know, dressed immodestly. I'm not going to stop the service and point them out. I don't do do stuff like that. I I don't plan my messages for individual people. Now, if it hits you, then you need to let it hit you. But how often does it hit us and we don't even realize it? I've been guilty of it. I've heard things sometimes said in testimony services. I'll be sitting there and it'll hit me 
But I'll, and I'll shake it off. I'll think, no, no. But I know if I search my heart, the depths of my heart, that, that's, that's for me. That was said, whether they, the person knew it or not, they were saying it for me. But yet it's easy for me to overlook my own house, my own cracks, the trim, the tub ring, everything. I can overlook that and say, no, that, that was probably for Sister Lise. That probably wasn't for me. That's easy to do, right? But David did acknowledge in the end, brothers, that he'd sinned. Look at 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. It says, David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. David said in the Psalms, the man that confesses and forsakes his sin shall obtain mercy. But the one that hides his sin, he's not going to get the mercy. You've got to confess them and forsake them. David talked about his bones were rumbling. They were, they, were, they were having a party in there until he spoke his sin and confessed his sin before Almighty Yahweh. You'll feel a lot better. I've held things in before. And then when I let them out, man, it feels so, so good. <laughs> you know? You ever had a quarrel with somebody or maybe you had a, a spat with someone and, and then you just, you just kept it in and you never asked for forgiveness? It takes a big person to ask for forgiveness. It does. It takes a big person to say, I forgive you. But it takes a real big person to ask for forgiveness. You know, anytime I get in an argument with somebody, I try to search my heart and say, Matthew, is there anything, even if they've done me wrong, is there anything, Matthew, that you've done wrong that you need to ask forgiveness for? And you know what? Every single time, I can think of something. And if I want to be the big man, in Yahweh's eyes, humble myself, humiliate myself before somebody, I'll go to that person, whether they come to me or not. I'll say, brother, sister, my, my children sometimes. Sometimes I've had to ask forgiveness from, from my children. Will you forgive me? David confessed his sin. He forsook it. He even went on a fast to try to save the child that Bathsheba had in her womb. But Yahweh killed the child because of what he did. He had to suffer punishment. David lost his sons because of this incident. His wives were slept with publicly because of this incident. David did have to suffer a penalty. But he did confess and forsake his sin. Will we be willing to confess and forsake our sin? How many want to do it? I know I want to do it. You know, I don't want to be guilty of removing specks out of other people's eyes and keeping the logs in my own eye, Sister Lise. I don't want to be guilty of it. I really don't. But it's going to be a battle. Something you're going to continue to battle with. But you can overcome. You can find a way of escape. So let's be willing to look even at our own faults and not to overlook our own faults. Yes, other people have faults. But let's not be so quick to look at theirs and overlook our own. Right? Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, I pray that You would help us in these difficult times and situations. Father, where we want to point fingers and point them in every direction but at our mind and in our own heart. Yahweh, Father, I pray we would clean up our lives so that we would be able to help clean up others' lives. 
Father, I pray that we would remove the logs from our eyes so that we would be able to see clearly to remove specks from other people's eyes and help other people out. But Father Yahweh, never let us forget that we need help ourselves. We've got problems. We've got sins that we battle with and struggle with and we need to overcome them. Father, I pray, Father, that this message would be in the minds of the people here today in a strong way. And Father Yahweh, that it would be in the minds of anybody that may hear it by other means in the future. Yahweh, let it bring people to the foot of the torture stake of our Messiah. And Father Yahweh, let them see you as they look upon your Son. Father Yahweh, asking for forgiveness and having putting their faith in the Christ. Father Yahweh, I pray that you'd continue to change our old man into the new man. I pray that you'd continue to work upon our heart. And I love you and I praise you for it, Father. And we are what we are by your grace. We don't boast as though we've received anything by our merit. Father, we can't merit anything before you. It's by your grace that we do anything that we do. And, and Yahweh, Father, I just thank you for looking down on wretched sinners. And Father Yahweh, giving up your son to die on our behalf. It's quite the honor and quite the privilege. He's drank, in the, drank, drank the poison for us. And, and Father Yahweh, and sometimes we don't always think about it in that way. But Father Yahweh... But we're so thankful. And we do give Him honor today. We do give Him honor. Honor is Your Son today, Father. You said we should. Uh, Father, we pray for those that don't, do not know You, do not know Your Son, do not have Your Spirit in their life. Uh, Father, we pray for those that may be sick. Father, they're not with us today, Father. Sick in their bodies, physical. Father, I, I pray that You'd heal them. Father Yahweh, we pray for those that may be having a hard time spiritually. They may be really struggling with a problem or a sin right now. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd give them strength this week. Uh, let them be able to overcome, Father, their sin. It's so difficult and so hard, Father Yahweh. But let them, let, let them know that they, they can't keep doing the same things and expect di- different results, Father Yahweh. We have to change our life. Father, I pray that we would realize that. But if we do change, Father Yahweh, we will get another result. And Father Yahweh, let us put that to practice. Let us have a checklist of our own life. Father Yahweh, I pray these things, Father, not because of my own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of our Messiah. And that's why I can come boldly before your throne and ask these things through him, Father, my mediator. I love you and I thank you. Bless us all. And... um, Let us have a good working week this week. Bring us back next Sabbath to praise and glorify you. Uh, Father, for it's in Yeshua the Messiah, our elder brother, that we pray. Amen.